When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the EDH Rec Room. This is a place for some more casual discussion about Commander, and I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic co-hosts, Matt. How you doing, man? Well, I'm doing pretty fantastic. I would make a dad joke, but I don't want to make any jokes at Dana's expense, as he's the only... uh... Only true father here, and it is his episode. I, I will say, it is hilarious to me that dad jokes have become such a staple of our show, and you, the one who introduces them, you're not a dad, so it's just like, that's just am, your humor. I'm not a dad, no. <laughs> that's just, you, you, the pun-tastic humor man, I love it. Anyway, I'm also joined by Dana. Hi, Dana. How's it going? Um, now that we've gotten the original frames back from Time Spiral, um, I'm kind of anticipating the Alpha Corners making a comeback. <laughs> Um, just, just to throw things for a loop. I'd rather not personally. That's just a personal <laughs> thing. So yeah, fellas, we are here rounding out our small rec room series of our signature styles, um, where we've just kind of wanted to get to know a little bit more about what attracts us each to the type of deck building that we love doing. We talked about Matt's love of aggro decks, my love of the best strategy ever. Objectively, this is not a personal opinion. This is an objective truth. Necromancy decks, reanimator's the best. Um, and now, Dana, I guess it's your turn. We can talk about whatever whatever it is that you do. It's not reanimator, so I'm sure it's not all, all that interesting, right? Well, right? I, I'm curious. <laughs> curious to see what that signature style actually is because i'm not entirely <laughs> sure myself uh, i i am surprised to hear you say that i feel like there's only one word that describes your deck building habits man and that's the word hipster sure i guess that very much describes the decks themselves absolutely the decks themselves matt how would you describe it i would say if if, if i had to use one specific word um i would use that word specific um <laughs> Everything about Dana's decks, like if you look at them, they're doing one thing and they're doing it all out. Like they're they're just diving into that one very specific thing and they just happen to be doing it very, very well. Yeah. So Dana, uh, familiarize uh, everyone with the types of decks that you play, your favorites in among your, your stable of decks. Um, what do you got going on? Illuminate for us. Um, so I, I tend to kind of build with a concept first. So I take, take an idea that I want to do for the most part and then try to figure out what I can do to build that deck around it. And I also tend to try to make sure I do that with a commander that isn't popular. Um, <laughs> I do have a couple decks um, that I built years ago that are kind of still in the stable um, that I'm guessing you're going to tease me about that are more popular than others. But like for the most part, when I'm building something these days. I, I just built a Adriana Captain of the Guard Boros deck recently, and I kind of knew what I wanted to do with the deck. So when I decided I wanted to build that in Boros, I basically like looked at the list. I'm like, okay, what are the top 20 Boros commanders? Because I'm not going to use those. And, and went down the list after that to figure out what would work for the concept I wanted to build around. So that tends to be how I brew is, is coming up with an idea first and finding the commander that fits it later. I that that is also definitely the thing I would say is just that you definitely 
build from the inside out, it sort of feels like. Um, and, and your signature decks at this point, I would say, like Reki, the History of Kamigawa, Mono Green, Legend Fall Man, um, mm-hmm. Vela as well, the uh, your artifact deck in blue and black. Um, you've got a Mono White Super Friends, which like, can we just stop right there with your Jeru with Eyes Open deck? Mono White Super Friends. <laughs> like, Super Friends is an insanely popular strategy. And you're like, let me find the jankiest version of what that could be. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, well, and that was very much like seeing the Jerry was spoiled and being like, well, that's a card that's not going to be any use as a commander unless you build Mono White Super Friends. And then the next thought was, well, I mean, I guess you could do that. Why, why not? <laughs> uh, yeah, why not? And so, so here I, I pulled up a handful of numbers just to highlight the, um, the specificity, the, the hipsterness, because you mentioned you like to avoid the things that are super popular. Um, but let's go through some of those examples. So you've got Reki, for example, who at maximum right now has like 228 decks, according to EDHREC. Compare that to the most popular green commander that currently exists on the site. That's Gargos with 1,400-ish. So that's the level of disparity that sure. we're talking about. Actually, <laughs> right. here's, here's a bigger one. Most popular Demir commander is Eureka with over 4,000 decks. Your blue-black deck, Vela, has 241 total and it's just like oh okay um or uh gruel you also have amina and den deck i know uh the most popular gruel commander is omnath with about 1500 decks and your mina and den deck has barely 300 right now and it's just like that is the level that you're going at where you are finding the non-obvious route and you're taking that one like when you're like gruel landfall mina and den is what i'm gonna do screw omnath too many people have built him because you're allergic to playing against (laughs) decks that you have maybe i don't know yeah so okay so i've been thinking about this and i have there's there's two explanations for it um the first one is is the main reason I'm attracted to Commander in the first place is I, it's the one format I feel like where you can kind of express creativity through deck building and, and still win. I mean, you can do that in any format, I guess, but you're going to get crushed if you try to, you know, show off your uh, personal flair in modern and, and show up with, with that deck to a tournament. But in Commander, you can actually build something that's kind of interesting and is an expression of, of, of something creative and still win games. So like that to me, is an important part of the format, and that also is an important part of of why I, I build decks. However, it's not entirely just that, because if I'm being honest, there's also an ego component to it, where it's <laughs> much more satisfying for me to win a game with a relatively obscure commander that I've built in a strange way than it is to win with a really popular commander. So if I'm being honest, that's absolutely part of it is it's a way for me to kind of flex ego a little bit for sure. Well, and one thing that I would say, and just take that a step further, even if you do kind of build along the beaten path for a certain commander, like I think your Crush the Blood Braided deck is like peak example of this. You put so many restrictions on yourself. You're not playing the de facto best cards. You're playing stuff like awakening of v2 gazi that commander staple that it is like you're, you're you're finding all these ways to maybe not play the doubling season like the the obvious things you're taking a step further in the the whole restrictions breed creativity that like the, the self-imposed restrictions that you put on literally every single deck i've ever seen you create creates so many creative decks and like you're finding ways and it's not like you're playing bad decks either like you you find ways to make realm seekers an absolute like must answer type of card and that's one thing just playing games with you it's always just it's crazy to see like you find simulacrum and then you make it a powerhouse card 
And that yeah, card doesn't even do what the actual card itself <laughs> right. says. Right. And, and to clarify, because everyone heard the word simulacrum and probably thought solemn simulacrum. We're not talking about that. No, one. we are not talking sad robot. We're talking about a card called Simulacrum, which we don't know what it does. Dana still, like the card's text doesn't do what the card's ability actually is. That's how old it is. It has been errated to heck. But that is right. that is Dana's deck building to a T, though. Yes. And and you telling me that is an ego boost in and of itself. So, <laughs> I mean, mission accomplished, I guess, for sure. But it, it's that is a lot of fun for me too, and I guess it's not just ego too. It's also fun for me to find those things, like like doing that weird scryfall search, trying to find you know you know I, I didn't just know simulacrum would work in that veto life gain deck that I have. I figured that out because I was digging through scryfall, doing specific keyword searches, trying to find things, and the oracle text happened to be a hit. So like that is also fun for me. I, I get a lot of enjoyment from brewing decks. In a way, for me, that's part of the game. That's that's something that comes with the experiences is doing those deep dives and finding those cards. And you're not even sacrificing power either. Like you're finding ways to be creative, but still win games. And I think that's that's kind of a a point in the deck building process that I think a lot of people come across and they kind of get discouraged. They, they think I can't win without XYZ cards. And you're like, nope, I'm going to win anyways. I'm going to find a way to do it. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I I do run plenty of you know quote unquote staples. It's not like I'm I'm only running weird pinpoint removal spells from back in Mercadian masks. You know, my white decks have swords of plowshares. I'm like I'm not entirely like doing this like a hipster. I, I'm I also want to run some some obvious good cards when they are effective at at winning games for sure. I mean, there are those people out there who are building that Game of Thrones themed deck and have all kinds of bad things in in those decks because they're more concerned with hitting that theme than they are with necessarily winning. I do absolutely still want to win. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not that selfless of a player where I'm that (laughs) that much of a, uh, that, that devoted to doing whatever weird thing I want to do. I still do want to win for sure. Another aspect that I really enjoy is that um, I think that you have this potential tendency to take a look at a commander's either weak or like most, potentially ignorable ability and turn that into its biggest strength. Um, like back in the day, I guess the, the traditional Vela deck that you would see is very devoted to the right of replication combo where you copy Vela a bazillion times that creates so many Velas that her, uh, you know, a bunch of the extra copies dies. And each one of them has that life loss ability when your stuff leaves the battlefield to just like clock opponents for a whole bunch of damage. That is not necessarily the thing that you have built around for Vela. Vela also has that intimidate text, and you have built an artifact deck out of it to make all of your artifact creatures basically impossible to block. And the life loss text is kind of almost the incidental thing based off of the way that you are playing it. So when I see Vela, I'm like, ooh, can I make some type of, I don't know, aristocracy type of deck around that first ability? And when you see Vela, you're like, no, that other thing that Joey looked over, this is the thing I'm going to focus on. That's the thing I'm going to make a whole deck about. Yeah, oh, definitely. That's definitely something I I try to find when I built the deck. Is when I'm looking through those those old obscure commanders. I'm trying to figure out, okay, what what interesting thing can I do with this deck that isn't generally being done for the most part. Um, you know, I just relatively recently built Vito um, Thorn of the Dusk Rose, which isn't a you know isn't super popular, but it's not unpopular either. But very much that deck tended, tends to be kind of an aristocrat's deck where you're like chipping away, doing kind of life gain through that method. And 
I had all the kind of pieces for a big black mana deck that you often see with with something like Draina or whatever. Well, I decided that can work just as well in a veto deck because there's so many black X spells. I can just as easily put those into a Drain Life or something and get value out of that with veto. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely something I am always looking to do when I see a commander is to find a way to implement it in a way that you probably aren't often seeing. Well, and two, like y- you commit to like whatever you, you are trying to do, whether it is your Vela deck or it is your uh, your Sigarda deck, even like you have that as a Sigarda Enchantress deck, like you don't even play Soul Ring because to you that feels, I, I, how do you say, like disingenuous maybe, or it feels just like it's cheating. So just how you commit to any given theme that you're doing, it's always really impressive to watch too. Oh. Thank you very much. And that is, that's also a way to control power. Like if right. I have some really strict baked in restriction on a deck, it does immediately give me a roadblock and, and it's going to keep the power in check, which also that lets me, I, I love tweaking decks. Like we joke about how often Joey and I make changes <laughs> compared to you, Matt, but I enjoy making changes at X too. Like that's part of the fun of commander for me is, yeah. is finding those little tweaks here or there. And by building in some sort of a, like a hard and fast rule for myself, I can still tweak things and like twist those screws without crossing them some power threshold for the most part that makes it difficult to play with the average kind of pod. I, I want to circle back a little bit to you talking about how much you really enjoy uh, building decks, but like, <laughs> and something that Matt said too kind of made me uh, remember. I, I In fact, we're going to have to throw this image in the YouTube uh, v- version of this podcast of your um, deck building murder boards. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> the the red string, they're all like propped up on some cork board on the wall or whatever. And you've connected these threads between all of these cards. It is a thing to watch. <laughs> it gives you a little bit of Pepe Silvia vibes like it is. <laughs> And it's fun to do. It's fun. Like that's part of it too. Like uh, the, the putting that up and making that goofy murder board. It, it's also somewhat useful, but of course there's easier ways to do that digitally. Um, but the, the fact that I've been doing that for all of my decks for the last like two years or so is fun too. It's part of the process. Now it's like part of the ritual. I brewed a new deck. I get to that point. I put it up on the murder board. I kind of take a look at the connections and see if I feel like I need something else. Um, it's all part of the process. That's fun for me. And if you're not enjoying this, um, find a way to enjoy it. I, I, I would, I would say. And then like, that's, that's part of my fun. It is hilarious to see. But now, you know, we, we've showered some praise on your deck building habits and, ooh, this is interesting and, oh, the way that you brew or whatever. But we have to address the fact that, Dana, you have an Edric deck and a Talrand deck too. And both of those commanders have over a thousand decks on EDH rec. How do you live with yourself? This must be torture for you, dude. It's r- It's rough. Now, in my defense, those are probably two of my earliest decks. So I wasn't probably as concerned about like trying to take the, the, path least taken um, back in the day <laughs> um, as I maybe am today. I don't think I would build either of those two decks today, but um, yeah, I, I, I honestly wish they were a little more obscure. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, well, but even then too, like the way that you've built Talrand is not counterspell Talrand. Like I think a lot of us hear Talrand and we think, oh, that's a lot of counterspells in that deck. Um, and you're like, no, it's a 
flying deck. I'm, I'm going. This is the most aggro deck in my staple, actually. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Well, I mean, the Edric one is, but I, I don't really play it very often. But yes, of the decks I have, Tauren very much is. I mean, it's a token deck functionally. Right. I'm casting weird, oftentimes not very good cantrips that hopefully will draw me a cantrip. They'll hopefully draw me a cantrip to make enough drakes to swarm in and kill people. So, I, I was, you know, in my own way, even back when I built that deck, you know, six years ago or whatever it was, I was trying to find a way to build it that was. That was fun and different and created an experience. Like, I think I've mentioned this in the past talking about what I enjoy about the game and in, in getting a good story as part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's somebody winning in a weird way or, or whatever that would be. Well, maybe part of that also, I think for me is to try to like show off a neat deck that is an experience. Um, you know, I, I can think of the situations when I've sat down and someone has busted out their attracts a horror tribal deck or something. That's, that's an experience. I remember that specific game and, and I, I do think part of it is also to to try to make an experience for somebody else to show them something interesting or different. And, and that, that does, I think, at least for me, make for a good time. And so I hope it does that a little bit for other people as well. Well, and, and those decks that you, you talk about where like it's everything's an experience. Mm-hmm. I think of all three of us and all the games that we've played together. If it comes down to like one person has to make a play to save the game you can always count on your decks being the ones that like lead to that massive moment of I'm going to cast seven spells this turn trying to find an answer or like (laughs) somehow you do find the answer. And like, it's because of just in general, the way you build your decks, like you're all like, it leads up to this one massive moment. And like, there are countless moments in games with you because of just the way that you build your decks leading to those experiences. I think most interesting for me about going through this small rec room series for the three of us is also discovering what aspect of the game resonates the most um, with us personally. For Matt, it was definitely like he has the most fun when he turns things sideways. For me, it is when I cheat stuff into play. And for you, Dana, it is when someone leans over the table and says, I'm sorry, what card did you just play? Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. Or that does what with that card? (laughs) Well, and to to take it a step further, too, I think it's I play to experience something. I I want to, like, have those moments that, like, I'm sitting there laughing at myself. And and Joey, you you build your decks because you want to navigate the situation and and, and outbuild and outplay people. And then Dana's like, I want to show off how creative I am while still being able to maintain a a winning percentage. So, yeah, being able to, to, to do this little mini series, as it were, like it has been fun just to like remind ourselves of the way that each of us work, because um, mm-hmm. it is fun just to like stay self-aware about your own deck building habits, you know, on the individual level. Yeah. And, and seeing how other people do it, too, is a really good way to kind of get a little perspective on your own. I think it was very useful for me to think about this. Um, going third after having already had this discussion with you two, like having that compare that, that thing to compare and c- contrast against, I think was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the kind of thing actually, I, I, I feel like as an exercise probably isn't a bad idea for, for close play groups just to kind of do for fun over, you know, pizza and a beer once you're able to do that again. I think it's a fun conversation to have for sure. Yeah, like by examining my own strategy or by by examining, you know, the things that Matt really enjoys doing, I am also implicitly asking myself, well, why isn't that something that I enjoy doing? And I am more closely examining the things that I enjoy and and the reasons for it, because I was just like, <laughs> it, there's a lot of ways in which I can just be like, haha, big creature out of the graveyard, go burr. But like, it is actually more interesting to see the the reasons why I'm attracted to the certain commanders that I build. Um, 
and, and to maybe break out a little, a little bit, like to also uh, flex around with it will be kind of interesting because like to try and adopt your style is something that I'm now interested in doing. To swing more with creatures the way that Matt does is something that I am actually a little bit more interested in doing after this um, whole exercise too because I'm like, that's I want to see how the other half lives a, a little bit because I've, I definitely get comfortable in my own ways of deck building. But there's a ton of room to, to grow by trying out these these new strategies, which are super awesome to hear you guys talk about the way that the process works for each of you. No, yeah, d- definitely. Because um, it's like the same holds true for me, but by immediately like discarding X amount of popular commanders from things I'm going to consider brewing, you know, like I said, I, I said I wouldn't have built Talrand today. Well, that means I would have lost out on building a fun deck by just mm-hmm. dismissing it because it has already, you know, a thousand decks or whatever it is that are brewed up in the database. So that's definitely something that, that, that I've kind of thought about too and have the discussion is I'm probably shortchanging myself once in a while by being that obstinate about it. Well, so now, Dana, here's the real question, of course. Like we've talked about some of your commanders and stuff like that, but what happens if one of your currently very unpopular, you know, not a whole lot of decks to their name commanders. What if like you wake up tomorrow and they've got like 1,200, 2,000 decks to the name? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when that happens? Become wildly uncomfortable. I, I think it'll be more of a waving, waving Dana's cane and saying, get off my porch. <laughs> <laughs> you kids, get away from my decks. Quit playing my decks. 